Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ, hosted by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Mark Myers. And good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Recovery Hour. We appreciate everybody joining us on a Sunday afternoon. It's uh, about 1205. Uh personal responsibility recovery we uh we bring this program out uh kind of to increase awareness of substance use disorder it's uh as an industry we always say we have to do a little bit better it is the leading cause of death from 18 to 45 year olds these days uh accidental opioid overdose and if you add in all of the alcohol all of the other substance everything it's just it's in crisis proportion And we don't address that elephant in the room nearly enough. So we bring this show out uh, basically as a resource. Obviously, personal responsibility recovery. We have a small 12-bed, very intensive residential treatment program for anyone seeking residential treatment. We're one of several. There's some great ones in the Austin area. And that's what we encourage folks to do is use us as a resource. Uh, Today, you can always call or text 512-836-0590. That's a number that you can call or text, kind of join our conversation. Hopefully use us as a resource. There's uh, an awful lot of people that are suffering from substance use disorder, and we're just here to help have some uh, lively conversations about it. Of course, our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart, is uh, back from a vacation. He's with us this morning. And, uh, good afternoon, Mark. Yeah, good afternoon, Everybody? of course. Good afternoon. Uh-huh. I, 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 uh, California is still there, by the way. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. <laughs> um, and, and Texas is still melting. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we have a, a really great guest this morning, uh, Joe Dias. Uh, Joe's been a part of the Austin Recovery Community and Counseling uh, community for uh, about 20 years from what I understand. 20 years has been here. 20 Very years. Very grateful for the community and the opportunity. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, we always kind of set our show up and, and we usually do that about 30 seconds before we go on the air. Today was no, <laughs> no exception. But um, one of the things that we were talking about as, as a whole, and Dr. Stewart, you've always said that, that connection is needed to really sustain long-term recovery. Absolutely. And, yeah. and the isolation is one of the biggest enemies of seeking recovery. We, we get into that denial. We get into that shame. We get into just a, a really a dark abyss when we're suffering from addiction. And it takes those connections to get out of that in addition to, of course, abstinence. Absolutely. You know, uh, we've evolved to... Uh, connect with each other and in fact I have a theory myself that uh, Homo sapiens actually were the species of of mankind or humanoids if you will that survived because of their capacity for connectedness and others uh, like Neanderthals uh, didn't because they didn't have that and of course this is based on uh, very, very thin evidence of Neanderthal fires only had a few <laughs> stones around them, and Homo sapiens fires had lots of stones around them. Uh, 
apparently, you know, I'm having some fun with this, but we, we as a species gathered together in tribes and, and that tribal organization probably is what allowed us to survive as a species. And whether that's true or not, uh, it's clear to me that when people who are in recovery gather, there's magic in the air, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's a sense of joy and kinship and celebration that just naturally arises uh, whenever two or more of us are gathered. Certainly been my experience. And, and yesterday we were talking about how hard it is to treat the mind and the body if we're not treating the spirit and, and yeah. spiritually fit. And Joe, you were, you were mentioning, uh, you, you even have an acronym for what you do. I do. I, uh, actually, when I was working with some young people back about a decade or so ago, you know, uh, one guy wanted to be a psychologist or whatnot, and he asked me, hey, uh, Mr. D, that's kind of what I go by in the community. Um, Mr. D, what, what are the modalities you like to work with? And, I'm, you know, the 16-year-old is asking me <laughs> some pretty high-end kind of intellectual thought processes. I'm like, I'm driving on the way home. I'm like, okay, well, let me think of the core aspects, the core values I have, not only in my personal life, but what I try to bring to my clientele. And uh, at that point, again, it was uh, adolescence. So I came up with the acronym. Uh, ironically, even though a lot of my uh, work is done in the SUDS community, substance use community, it's, uh, it, <laughs> the moniker is MEDS. So uh, mindfulness, exercise, diet, and sleep. Generally, when I'm working with somebody, I try to go from the bottom up because sleep tends to be the, the easiest to quantify there. But going back to what you were talking about, both the tribes that we want to belong to, find out some spiritual connections, you can go all the way to the top of that acronym and speak to mindfulness. And the one caveat I have with mindfulness when I'm working with people is that you can pick anything you want. It can be fishing, it can be artwork, it can be photography, it can be uh, you know anything as long as it's not a screen. I'm not a huge fan of uh, thinking that Netflix is very mindful behavior. <laughs> so getting out there, maybe with nature or, of course, service work, uh, getting involved with something other than isolating. You know, it's interesting on the outpatient side of things, yeah. coming out of treatment, people are on fire because they're getting hopefully some good care, but then they go back to baseline and then they start to isolate. And uh, so getting involved in our community, getting involved in those tribes, I think becomes paramount. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I remember uh, about 20 years ago or so, or more accurately, about 15 years ago, uh, the idea that a recovery coach could be of particular value mm. to someone uh, in early recovery Indeed. came arose, and it, it arose out of work that had been going on since the 80s and 90s. And, and this, uh, right out of that emerging idea that uh, recovery coaches could be particularly helpful came the idea that recovery communities could be particularly <laughs> helpful. And sure enough, uh, it turns out that's true. And, you know, Communities for Recovery, for example, mm -hmm. here in Austin does a tremendous amount of work uh, uh, that helps people. And, oh, by the way, they train people to be great recovery coaches. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think our medical director and, and Scott Thornton and, and William Loving and, and you, Dr. Stewart, you all, all had so much input to that at, in its beginnings. And born out of that is now like our friends, you know, Sky Hilton and the folks, Rachel Stein over at Atomic Souls that are just great, Good people. great, great people. Oh, yeah. And we've got such a community of folks in all different levels, whether it's intensive outpatient or read the need for residential treatment, the need for medical treatment. Mm -hmm. um, 
those resources when you get to a point that you're in crisis and you've not done your research. That was one of the things Chris and I were talking, Chris Gates, another friend of ours, last week is have a plan. Because if you think you're going to need this two months from now, you're right. It, it's not going to get better if, if you need it or a loved one needs it. It's not going to magically change next month. Probably. I won't say that definitively, but our experience has been. So researching what direction to go in advance, pulling up websites, knowing the residential treatment centers, knowing the counseling centers, knowing the IOP, which is intensive outpatient treatment, having a, a game plan on those is uh, so that when that person Dr. Kirby or Dr. Stewart, you, you call it a, a moment of clarity, I think is how we refer to that. Yeah, when they have that moment of clarity and say, I've had enough, my experience is that doesn't last very long. And, mm -hmm. and you need to be able to act pretty quickly mm. when someone raises their hand and says, I need help. Yeah, absolutely. The, so your, your comments uh, are worth... Uh, accentuating and I think I want to pick that up when we get back from the break as you're you're addressing basically family and friends of family people friends who are, uh, suffering uh, more likely than not they're suffering from addiction if you're concerned about them they probably are I, that's that's certainly been my yeah. my experience is is very seldom as someone think they might need treatment and then not that's that's I, I've never met anybody who thought they had a problem and it turns out they didn't. I haven't yet. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break here on News Radio five ninety KLBJ five one two eight three six zero five ninety. You can call or text and uh, we'll be right back. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And again, thank you for joining us on a Sunday afternoon. It's about 1220. Uh, 512-836-0590, the phone number to call or text to join our conversation. Um, addressing substance use disorder. That's the, that's the whole goal of our show here is to address substance use disorder and the, the crisis that is facing our society and... Uh, provide resources to everybody that's 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 what we want to do so uh 512-836-0590 and uh, of course we always talk about uh about residential treatment uh intensive outpatient treatment the modalities of treatment uh which is a word i you know had to learn what meant um <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna bring it bring it back yeah. over to dr stewart we were talking so much about uh, I guess spiritually fit and the mindfulness and how that works together to get someone out of isolation to to begin that process of recovery that is, uh, it just seems like the phone weighs 50,000 pounds when you go to pick it up and ask for help. And uh, we, we've got to do better on that. And, and then the treatment of it, of course, is providing those connections. Yeah, absolutely. The it, It's so important that we find ourselves connected with others uh, that it, it's oftentimes a matter of life and death. It, you know, the, the, the statistic that we oftentimes cite uh, of deaths due to overdoses, actually those deaths, that number doesn't even include uh, suicide. 
It doesn't even include the number of people who take their own life because they're overwhelmed by addiction. And I want to emphasize the isolation that's associated with addiction. Uh, the most common cause or reason for an attempted suicide, I put that, you, the listening audience can't see me doing quotes around suicide, the term suicide, is actually isolation. People, uh, when they uh, are cut off from others, uh, uh, lose the capacity to live life fully and to even be present. And, and so that the capacity for connectedness and the ability to be present are pretty much one and the same thing I have found. And, and, my, and my role at Personal Responsibility Recovery is that of spiritual director. So we really take a deep dive in the spirituality of recovery. Uh, and, and that's what I have discovered is one's capacity to be present and one's capacity to connect with others are by and large the same fundamental phenomenon. And I think it's probably because they involve the same parts of the brain. Uh, but that's uh, a large speculation on my part. Uh, but <laughs> Joe, you're talking about uh, mindfulness uh, and, and how screen time doesn't really count uh, for mindfulness. Uh, what, what are some activities that you would regard as being mindfully undertaken? You know, it's interesting because uh, I think when, they, when folks go to treatment and maybe are preparing to go um, and then they rediscover who they are, uh, a lot of those kinds of things can get carried on in treatment, whether it's artwork or music, um, mm -hmm. as well as connection or reading, poetry, journaling, any of those things that I think uh, bring us closer to that connection. And if you uh, aren't akin to maybe uh, finding that source, per se, of uh, a spiritual path, it's just maybe your, your higher self that brings you closer to as well, right? That creativity that mm -hmm. somebody is lost by virtue of either the duly diagnosed client, right, mm -hmm. who's been using or self-medicating their depression or the duly diagnosed client, right, who has some underlying, you know, borderline kind of conditions. And they're really just trying to manage those things and then they find themselves again when they uh, enter treatment and then come back out into outpatient and working, uh, you know, with your, you know, one time a week kind of cadence together. And then I'm giving them homework or those of us who are practicing, you know, CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT, dialectical stuff. Uh, we'll give them some homework to start tracking that and hold them accountable to say, okay, we're going to plan for moments when weakness occurs while we're in a moment of strength. And you coming out for the first 30 days have a lot of strength. Now you've built capacity. Let's go ahead and find that creative outlet. Let's go ahead and find people and community and whatnot. Um, I mean, that runs the gamut from not only 12 step stuff, but also celebrate recovery if you're so inclined to do so, you know, mm -hmm. um, or even refuge recovery. Uh, those kinds of aspects are, are come one, come all. So I would encourage those uh, outlets for people to be able to enjoy. And uh, it's almost like a smorgasbord. I'll ask them, you know, if you, if you don't like one restaurant, you know, you, it doesn't mean I just go ahead and shun Chinese food. I'm going to go ahead and try a different one because yeah. different restaurants are going to offer yeah. different outlets, right? Yeah. yeah. One other component that you brought up earlier is, you know, in terms of the amount of deaths that we've seen, we were talking before the show a little bit about, you know, the data around cigarettes, you know, and how 35 years worth of cigarette abstinence has been on a steady incline where we've actually been able to kind of educate 
people to stop smoking cigarettes. And I do believe that we can do the same thing from, from a preventative major um, resource f- for substance use. Let's hope it doesn't take 35 years. Let's hope not. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and Chris Gates pointed out, and, and I loved this last week, he pointed out that we are never going to win a war on the supply of drugs, ever. No. Never. No. So we have to look at winning the demand. And, uh, Joe, you pointed that out right before the show, that mm. 35 years ago, we took on a war of educating about the demand of cigarettes. They didn't stop making them. Right. They didn't stop advertising them. They didn't stop putting them everywhere. But people started using them less. And it's no longer a leading cause of death. Right. And look what you see out there is there's no more vending machines, right? There's no no more commercials on TV. They're not pushing it, right, because there's less people wanting it. Yeah. So that's where I think you have to, on the individual level, on the community level, we need to educate more people about the risk of fentanyl, that they're in pretty much every press pill on the street. They aren't pharmaceutical grade, whatnot. And you're trying to medicate these underlying mental health issues, right, with these street drugs, and they're going to kill you. I mean, that's that. I have a bumper sticker on the back of our van, one pill kills. Yeah. And it is just this horrible, horrible reality is that it does, depending on what that pill is containing and uh, even experimenting. So we're kind of bouncing all over the place here from real hard substance to, to the dangers of it. But it's all, I think... Maybe Dr. Kirby connected to that, uh, or Dr. Stewart. Uh, I know you as Dr. Kirby. You're <laughs> yeah, Dr. Stewart. You know, My apologies. <laughs> Mark, I, I've, I've resolved uh, accepting Dr. Kirby. That works just fine for me. <laughs> okay. It, you know, and that's it's true. That goes all the way back to the 80s. I used to be known as Dr. Kirby in hmm. my practice, so that's well, fine. There we go. Yeah. Well, and and... You know, the self-medication, our center is actually uh, what's called MAT-friendly, medically-assisted mm, treatment, nice. um, because of the opioid and all of the different things that happen there. And, you know, it's hard to do a one-hour radio show and stick to one topic <laughs> because there is a buffet of substance use <laughs> disorders <laughs> that present us, and our minds just go in all these directions because there is no one-size-fits-all. There is no button we can press, box we can check. We have to treat an individual for substance use disorder and meet them where they are. And sometimes that can be a very motivated 18-year-old, like you were saying, and sometimes it can be someone 60 years old after 40 years of abuse that says, I've had enough. Mm -hmm. One thing that those two individuals have in common is motivation. And uh, the fact that someone is motivated enough to trust the process of recovery, to trust that healing is possible for them, uh, is, is the essence of success in, in our work. Uh, so if, if you uh, are wondering if you might have a problem or wondering if a loved one might have a problem, then uh, you can have a conversation about quality of life. And if all I can find, for example, in my own personal life review is a willingness to enhance the quality of my life, then I can find a willingness to consider the possibility of recovery. And when I'm talking to individuals or family members, I don't even like to talk about not using anymore or not drinking anymore. 
I don't like to approach it from the negative point of view. I like to approach it from the positive. Mm. Well, what happens, you know, when you take a concerted effort, conscientious effort to improve the quality of your life? What does that look like? You know, there's one thing I do uh, in practice, uh, whether they're coming out of, you know, uh, inpatient or any type of other uh, level of care, is a uh, exercise I call needs, wants, and wishes. Yeah. And essentially going down these three aspects of things for them to identify that. Uh, and then they come back again and we start to approach, you know, the middle column, our wants, at least in therapy, become the goals that we can achieve here in short term. Yeah, say that again a little more slowly, what you're talking about. Essentially, it's homework around needs, wants, and wishes. And then okay. we can catch up on that after the break. Yeah, we'll probably catch up on that after the break. And, and again, we're uh, 512-836-0590. Uh, call or text to join our conversations. Uh, Joe Diaz and, of course, Dr. Stewart. Uh, we'll be right back after a break for the news. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And thanks for listening to us on News Radio KLBJ on a Sunday afternoon at about 1234. If you want to join our conversation, 512-836-0590. Um, you know, every, every Sunday between noon and 1, we bring you the personal responsibility recovery. We call it the Recovery Hour, and uh, we want to address substance use disorder in all of its different flavors and aspects and just figure out a way for our community to maybe do a little bit better in addressing substance use disorder and the treatment of substance use disorder, alcoholism, addiction. And we bring together some pretty uh, pretty amazing people. Of course, our spiritual director, Dr. Kirby Stewart, is uh, on top of that pile. And uh, <laughs> Joe Diaz is our guest today. Uh, Dias, I'm Joe sorry. Dias. I knew I was going to mess good. it up once. Yeah, Joe Dias, long-term, yeah. uh, <laughs> long-term long uh, therapist, counselor here in the Austin area. And we were talking about a couple of, of different, uh, I believe it's called modalities of treatment, different uh, different ways to do that. And uh, we've been talking a lot about spirituality this morning, which uncomfortable for some people, um, especially when you're lacking in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wiser words have never been spoken. I, I know that that's... Uh, <laughs> Over the 30-plus years that I have been part of the 12-step communities here in town, AA and NA, um, spirituality has been what has changed my life fully. That, that really is. That's the, that's the one common thread of everyone that I see in long-term recovery is that spirituality is such an amazingly mm. important part of that because it does allow us to do everything else. Yeah, it's it's the foundation upon which <clears throat> recovery is is uh, founded. I, I I couldn't agree more, and I I really like the uh, moment of humor there when you suggested that people who have a hard time addressing recovery are people who have a hard time addressing recovery and it, it it or spirituality. Excuse me. So. I, I really do believe that the, the beginning of spirituality is a surrender. Uh, it, and, and you could actually even say that uh, a spiritual life is a life that is turned over to some sort of higher power, something uh, that isn't uh, necessarily 
you and your own ego. Uh, the work that we do at Personal Responsibility Recovery uh, in spirituality, in the development of spirituality, has everything to do with mindfulness practice. Uh, to that end, we meditate, we uh, pray together, we uh, do what I call a presencing exercise, where quite literally we're consciously devoting ourselves to becoming more and more present. Mm. And that necessarily includes becoming more and more present to each other. And, and uh, th there's a kind of empathy practice that we engage in. Uh, so these points uh, of personal capacity for connectedness all relate to how, quote, spiritual we are. And what I mean by spiritual in that sense of the word is I mean non-egoic. I'm using the word spiritual in this context to basically mean something other than selfish. Mm. And it's, it's such an important part of it. And I know whether that's residential or outpatient, uh, intensive outpatient, uh, IOP, I'm, I know you have several similar models, for lack of a better word on that, and we're kind of diving a little deep into the treatment, into the modality mm -hmm. of what we do. But it, I think it is so necessary to embrace some of that in order to really make a significant change. It's pretty hard to change what, what was somebody said. You don't have to really change anything. Uh, you have to change everything. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's interesting because in the Austin community, I do find that we have a rather eclectic population. And I had a question for you guys. I'm wondering, since we're bringing it into, you know, scope around spiritual connectedness, you know, and that happens not only through source per se, but also through other people. I'm wondering just uh, to throw a monkey wrench at that is what are your thoughts around the smart recovery community? You know, that's a, a question that I'm not qualified to answer, oh, okay. Joe, and, and we've wanted to uh, invite them onto the show, and I haven't gotten the right connection for okay. that. I know that there is Celebrate Recovery out there. Right. I know that there is Smart Recovery. I know there's modalities. I am obviously involved with personal responsibility recovery on an executive level. I'm not a counselor. Okay. Dr. Kirby, uh, spiritual director. Kareem Saheed is program director, Sharon Turner, our clinical director, Dr. William Loving, our medical director. These are the hard hitters in the, and, and, and Shannon Duke, uh, Sharon Duke, I'm sorry, um, also one of our counselors. These are the hard hitters on the medical, mm. on the substance use, on the counseling. So when I'm asked, what I can offer is 12-step work. That's been something that I consider myself qualified to do. We offer Chris Gates on that. Right. Um, I am involved in one of our 12-step groups, and that's been incredibly successful for me, more than 38 years, actually. So smart recovery, 
I wish I knew more about. I see. Okay. Again, the reason I was asking is I like what you said earlier before the break was meeting people where they're at. Absolutely. Because we have that eclectic population, right? It's like sometimes when they're coming in, they're like, hey, you know what? I uh, I just don't resonate, you know, with this side of the recovery community, but they're, and I'm trying to educate them, but there is another side you can go connect with people on and find that connection. And then I'll draw them that Venn diagram in some ways. Uh, It's a a practice. I, I, I use a... Uh, I'm all over the place kind of in session, you know, because when someone's bringing up a topic that's important to them, I want to be able to jump on it, right? So I'll draw them a Venn diagram, and the overlap essentially is where we would like to be, and one of that is divinity and humanity, is how do we now find our cadence inside that overlap between those two? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it has to speak to us as individuals. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, familiar with smart recovery, uh, and... I'm an admirer of of the approach to recovery, and especially with regards to, as I understand it, they do have a big, big emphasis on uh, mindfulness and meditation. And, Indeed. And they also deeply appreciate the importance of authenticity. And from my experience, that was emphasized, and mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate that uh, as an avenue of recovery. You could actually say that recovery is basically recovering your own authentic self. Right on. And that authentic self turns out to be your higher power. You know, so uh, a lot of people don't like uh, that 12-step approach to recovery because the term God is all over the place. (laughs) All over the place. All (laughs) all over the place. Uh, And I I like to say that, no, that, that... you know, that's shorthand. It is. God is shorthand Agreed. Uh, for a, a presence and a power that is available to you uh, through the collective and through your connection with nature that isn't available to you if you're all wrapped up in your own head. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's, that's the way I look at it. It's like, one of my first teachers in recovery said the only thing you have to think about God is that it's not you. And if, if, if you're good with that, then you're good to go. <laughs> that, that was disappointing for me, but I did come to learn. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I say that very tongue-in-cheek, but, uh, you know, we, we, good orderly direction is the acronym sometimes that we use when someone is an atheist or someone has really trouble with that because I think we can all use good orderly direction to get our life moving in a, in a direction that we want to. And, you know, that, that spiritual is, is our higher powers as we understand him. And that is a lot of room for interpretation there. It's not one set. I, I think it's been said it's a spiritual, not religious program. And I'm assuming smart recovery is, is similar to that. Is that uh, yeah, I'm not going to speak to reco- smart recoveries, okay. you know, practices per se. I was more so curious about, you know, how do we again, meet the people where they're at, you yeah. know, and, and give them their community. Mm-hmm. And that's, what they're asking that's for. yeah, try to expose folks to that. We're gonna have to stop here for a break in just a, a short minute here. Uh, again, personal responsibility recovery uh, dot com is how you get hold of us. Uh, and of course, if you want to join our uh, program today, 512-836-0590 on News Radio KLBJ. Uh, we're going to be back right after a uh, brief break and uh, kind of finish up the show today. 
We'll be back in just a moment on News Radio. Providing professional opinions, resources, and guidance for addiction treatment every Sunday from noon to one. The Recovery Hour with Mark Myers. And welcome back to the Recovery Hour. We're into our final segment with uh, Dr. Stewart and uh, Joe Dias. And if you want to join our conversation, 512-836-0590. Been spending a minute talking about a very important component of long-term recovery and I think more than uh, more than just the treatment side of it, which is, of course, what personal responsibility recovery specializes in, is is intensive residential treatment. But once you walk out of our gates, um, you got a whole box of tools, a uh, whole bag of tools, and and we try to give you the instructions on how to use all that tools. But I don't think any of those tools are more important than having that understanding that, uh, as Kirby said, there there is a God and, and you're not it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Great outro. <laughs> it yeah. really is. That's uh, that's one of those really important tools we have to embrace and, and finding that and becoming comfortable with that and, and realizing that uh, there's a greater sense of, of self. There's, there's, there's something that we all belong to that we have to continue to carry that message when we leave and be part of the recovery communities yeah the recovery community will uh, support recovery better than anything else Uh, it's a communal experience Uh, at the beginning of the show today I was kind of stumbling around talking about Neanderthals and Homo Homo sapiens and why one Uh, survived and the other didn't but the bottom line is that we are communal creatures and uh, we need each other and out of that uh, need can come a profound experience of personal uh, success Mm. once we connect with other people because that that uh, fills us and and I, I wanted to ask Joe to talk a little bit more about his uh, distinction that he draws between needs, wants, and wishes with clients. Yeah, thanks. Um, So that's essentially more of a a mindful practice. Uh, Usually it takes uh, over like two or three weeks time. Again, I'm only seeing people once a week typically. But there's 12 aspects or categories on that uh, table of needs, wants, and wishes. Some of them include spirituality. Uh, and some of them are even as something as simple as financial or occupational, familial, uh-huh. domestic needs. You know, and, and if my needs are met, you know, and I'm satiated there, then we can move over to our wants column, and that looks like more of a goal-driven, solution-focused orientation of yeah. how, okay, how can I get to my wants met and then wishes, in all honesty, it's more of a fun category. I'm, I'm not going to say it's a throwaway category, but usually the instructions are if, you know, time, money, and uh, energy were a non-issue, what would you wish for in that category? So if we go oh. back to spirituality, it'd be interesting to see as I've gone through this exercise, uh, probably over the course of the last eight, nine years, people's responses on a spiritual component. My needs in my spiritual life look like this. My uh-huh. wants are I would love to, you know, I want to see God or whatever, the, the presence or source yeah. show up in my life like this. And, of course, if I had a wish, I guess I'd have a conversation, <laughs> yeah. you know, with yeah. source or God. I like or that. So. I like that. That's great. So uh, I think too many of us have spirituality in the wish column and it actually should be in the need mm. column. Uh, very, very good point. 
You know, it's interesting, too, because I think that uh, I I myself have had some spiritual experiences, and then you try to express that with others. And then then immediately there's this tangible kind of thing just through that source of storytelling that we have as people, right? Is, hey, this happened X, Y, and Z. And then they're like, okay, this actually, you know, I can go out there and find my own spiritual connection somehow or some way. Uh, but like I said, if I'm not necessarily look, we were talking about your uh, your guys's property, you know, and the, the all the acreage out there to be able to go out there and find some source, you know, amongst nature. And uh, to me, that's just kind of where it capital I dwells. You know, it doesn't necessarily dwell in the concrete jungle because uh, there's a lot of frenetic activity that's going on in city urban landscapes, and we kind of lose ourselves within that landscape. Nothing, nothing wrong with having a city or an urban landscape. It's just like you'll find it easier, I find, in nature. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think, uh, going back to evolution again, I don't think that we evolved to live in an urban jungle. Tell you what. Uh, I, our brains are not uh, organized in such a way that uh, that's likely to be the case. We, we are natural beings and we thrive when in nature. So I'm, I, our ranch, you know, it's 120 acres. And when you arrive there, the, probably the first thing you notice is how quiet it mm. is. And it's deeply quiet. Like you don't hear, you know, it's just like there's no hum of traffic in the background anywhere. It's, a, it's very, very quiet. And I think that brings to mind the relationship between deep silence and spirituality. Uh, I I understand from my own experience that unless I'm able to be completely quiet, both outside and in, I'm unlikely to have uh, what I'm going to call a spiritual experience. And, and, you know, the, there isn't a lot of mystery to it, although I think there is some mysticism in it, because uh, we're not talking about ordinary reality that can be measured and chopped into little pieces and then reconstructed. Spiritual experience is not that. It, it's a whole quality of some kind of presence that sustains us and that makes us buoyant in the water. Mm. And the more wet we are in the water, the more buoyant we become. And that, that's a metaphor that serves well in recovery because we do get wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a deep, it's a deep, deep dive. And I know, the, the, as you said one time, that uh, you know, spirituality is what sustains us through life. Because life on life's terms, as they say, is it's going to come at you hard. It's going to come at you fast. Hard and fast. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm facing the uh, I'm facing the death of a very, very, very dear friend mm. from this disease. Yeah, uh, imminent in the next few days. And uh, you know, it's soul crushing. It really is. But my go-to is not to go pick up a substance or to relapse or to hide any of the emotions I feel, any of the, the deep trauma that I will go through from this. He's, he's a lifelong friend. My go-to is to have a higher power, a sense of spirituality sustain me through this coming experience that I know is going to be really difficult. And, and that's what years of recovery have brought me to that place. And it, it, I don't need to change mood mind-altering substances I need to change my spiritual path a little bit and, and acknowledge that some. And you know, those are tools that uh, come over the years. And uh, 
I know we've kind of gotten into like this deep, deep conversation of spirituality today that you know kind of kind of doesn't really address a lot of the substance use disorder resources and mm-hmm. things that we always the education the things that we want to put right there for someone struggling with substance use disorder but at the same time this is such a key part of what that treatment looks like what that process looks like yeah i i think that we're offering to people our experience in spirituality as a kind of invitation to to join us and you don't need to remember every single doorway in all you need to do is find one doorway in and you'll have access to the whole realm or, or a crack a crack or slide, slide under the door through, slide through <laughs> you know re- reach out to joe reach out to personal responsibility recovery get the process started uh, and it will take you uh, home will take you places that you can never imagine. I, I think when your clients probably do that needs, wants, and wishes list, I don't know if they ever revisit that a year later. And, oh, yeah, we date it. Yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's we, like, holy oh, yeah, cow, yeah. I got this, all of this plus more. That's the growth, you that's know. That's the growth. Or the attrition, that, whether you follow through or don't. Yeah. Yeah, you can find me on Psychology Today if anyone wants to kind of have any answers, questions. Yeah, I was going to say, answer. Psychology Today, uh, Joe Dias, and uh, of course, Dr. Stewart with uh, with personal responsibility recovery and and that's us personal responsibility recovery dot com uh, that's got our phone numbers our links uh, links to all of these folks that we talk about and of course you know just I always say at the end of every show that that we need a two hour show we're <laughs> coming up on our final minute here but if you or someone that you love care about needs help with addiction. It is an insidious progressive disease that typically is not going to get better on its own. It is a chronic mental illness. It is a chronic brain disorder. And there are so many treatment facilities available, so many modalities available, great IOPs like Joe, um, residential treatments like us that specialize in medical, uh, you know, substance use disorder with with Matt Friendly, medically assisted if needed. There is no box that this fits in, but our resource, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com, is a good place to start. I think Dr. Stewart would agree, have a plan. Know know what you're going to do when that moment of clarity comes out. Yeah. And and be ready to to reach out. Be ready to take action. if you're a family member or a friend and you want to be of help to someone who's suffering from addiction, have a plan. Get things ready to go so that when that moment of clarity arises, you can take action. Yep, and and if you wait until you are in crisis and Google something, you're going to get the guy with the biggest advertising budget. Mm-hmm. You're That's not necessarily going to get. Not going to get the best program sometimes. So the research, the reviews, all of those things. Joe, thank you so much for being on the program Pleasure with to be us here. today. Thank That's you, awesome. Again, Psychology Today, Joe Dias. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can always find Dr. Stewart and I at uh, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Uh, definitely uh, look forward to seeing everybody back here next week.